Hi, everybody. Mike Mirando here for this month's sports feature as part of the Rancho Cordova podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at the Rancho Cordova Film Office. We're broadcasting from the iconic Mills Winery building near Folsom Boulevard and Horn Road. Our guest today is someone really special. If you're a young athlete, in particular a basketball player or someone who wants to achieve success in life, then the next 45 minutes to an hour is well worth your time. We have Yvette Collins with us. Now, before we begin, I got to tell you, this lady was a basketball star like no other for Cordova High School. And she was a big part of the 1983-84 team that went 32-1 and won the section championship. Earlier this month, Yvette was inducted into the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame as part of the class of 2023. And for good reason, just some of her accolades. She was among area leaders in both points and rebounds. In fact, Yvette, you average better than 16 in each category. First team All-City selection by both the Sacramento Bee and Union. Third team All-State by Cal High Sports. Later played for Sacramento City College. And today she owns and operates Yahoo's Kingdom Academy for Young People in Ghana, West Africa. And we're going to talk about all this and more, but Yvette, thank you for making the trip and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm glad to be here. You know, obviously, we're happy to have you, and in particular, having followed your career is uh, is, is quite an, an honor. But let's begin with what you're doing now. Uh, you and your husband, Edwin, operate Yahoo's Kingdom Academy Foundation, which is an elementary age school in West yes. Africa. Yes. Uh, how long have you been doing this? And tell us the story. What, what led you? Okay, well, um, I went to Ghana with the school, college, and uh, I ended up meeting my husband, um, came back home, wrapped up everything and decided to move back to Ghana, got to Ghana and realized that I was tired of sitting in the house, wanted something to do. So I volunteered at an elementary school close to my home. And I really began to see that education in Ghana was, I mean, so far behind and the children were, were just not learning and suffering. And so I just decided that I could do something. I could give my gift uh, to the children. So I began to work there. I worked with, uh, K I started with KG1 kindergarten and KG2. And uh, I worked there for two years and three months. I volunteered there. And then finally, uh, I ended up quitting and going back home. But then when I got back home, I was like, I'm still bored. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I didn't realize that I had given as much as I had given because then the parents began to come and knock on my gate. And, and every day someone different was knocking on my gate, asking me to an open school. And they really want me to teach their children because while I was at the other school, their children were learning. And so I contemplated about it. I prayed over it. And then I just said, if this is something I'm supposed to do, then you'll send me everything I need to operate this school. And so as soon as I finished saying my prayer, someone knocked on my gate and I opened up the gate and it was a gentleman and he introduced himself and he said, I heard you were looking for teachers. And I said, yes, you're hired. And he said, well, aren't you going to look at my resume or my CV? And I said, nope. You know why? And he says, why? And I said, because I just finished praying and as soon as I said, amen, you knocked on my gate. So then that means you're supposed to be here. And it kind of just grew from there. And, so we're talking um, literally within minutes yeah. of you completing that prayer. Yes. Yeah, when we were talking uh, out out front just a, a short time ago, you made 
uh, an incredible statement that the way out of poverty is education. The only way out of poverty is education. That, that is, is that's just the way that it is. If you are not educated, because even people who are left uh, inherit money, lose money because they they don't know how to invest it, they don't know how to spend it, they don't know how to take care of it because, and it all comes down to lack of education. Now, your school, you basically started from scratch, and you definitely. Have how many students now? I have um, close to 100 students now from one year, three months old to 13 years. So I run uh, Cretch, which is, and then I have Nursery 1, Nursery 2, KG1, KG2, Class 1, Class 2, Class 3, Class 4, Class 5, Class 6. And when I return home, I'm going to uh, open junior high, 7, 8, and 9, because I want to make sure I take my children uh, education-wise from where they start all the way until at least high school because I know with the curriculum that I'm giving them, by ninth grade they could challenge the Ghanaian high school test and go right off to college. Wow. Now, have you kept numbers? Have some of the kids already done that? Uh, no, I've only been in operation since uh, 21 because okay. I started just doing something small for COVID just to help the children. And then when COVID was lifted, um, then it went, it turned into a full-time school, but I have had children as far as behind as eight years old and who they don't even know their ABCs. I mean, bad, really bad. So, uh, that same child who couldn't even write his name, his name was Terrence and he wrote, I just told him, write a T on your paper. And, um, last year for our uh, last day of school, we had a spelling bee and he won the spelling bee. Now this kid couldn't even write his own name. And this time around, within a short time, a year later, he won a spelling bee. When I say spelling bee, I mean college level biology words like arachnophobia and really? androgen and, and how amylase. Old is, how old is, are these kids at oh, that point? He's probably eight. I have six years old, six year old doing 25 college level biology words. He was only supposed to do 10, but he said he'll try and do 20. And he did 20 and he got 100%. Six. I have several children like that. It's amazing. That is fabulous. It's uh, amazing. I mean, it, it, it's almost like a, a charter school mentality. Yes. So you're bringing the kids and. Frankly, not exactly a garden spot. A lot of these kids you had shared are coming from impoverished environment. Well, I mean, the total, the total, the total communityism, things that we take for granted. Someone has to decide whether they're going to eat or whether they would buy deodorant. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. It's like, and there are no resources. Um, I, I just was, I was just, you know, and I've traveled all over the world, but I was just so surprised at just how far they were behind. And, um, you know, once I put that prayer in and put it out to the universe, then things just began to come and, and friends began to send things and people just began to give and it just, just kept growing. And I kept saying, okay, I'm getting confirmation because I asked if you want me to do this, you'll provide me the way. And it's, it's been happening. And to see a child go from nothing where not knowing anything to come up and tell you uh, what's the def my dictionary definition of antibiotic? I mean, microorganisms uh, and bacteria, and to be, I don't allow, I you have to have dif dictionary definition. I'm not talking about layman's terms. But I start teaching the children who are in nursery layman's terms. So in the morning when I do a symbol, I'll say, 
okay, somebody tell me what the heart does. And they'll say, the heart pumps blood through the body. Then I'll say, somebody tell me what the small intestines, and they'll say, the small intestines help us go pee-pee. Because that's their language at, at nursery one, nursery two. Well, what does the big intestines do? The big intestines help us go poo-poo. So if you start them at that age, by the time they're in class three, they have it down to a science. It's amazing. I, and, I, you know, a lot of it was trial and error because I myself didn't realize that I had a gift of teaching teaching ability because it just never never crossed my path to even teach. And then to teach and see results at, you know, three-year-olds spelling their name. They don't just spell their name. They say capital A-L-V-I-N. You see three and four-year-olds able to identify their names and spell their names it is amazing. In some of the photos that you had shown me just a little while ago yes. and that uh, Rodney Robinson was good enough to send to us, you have a career day, and it looks like every yes. week is a career day. you got kids that, that want to be doctors, yes. surgeons, yes. nurses, and these are young children that are getting excited about their future. Yes, because I realize a mistake that was that is being made in the United States, and we are not aware of it. But what ends up happening is you have you have high school children graduate, go to college, and then they change their major like three or four times because they're confused because they didn't start thinking about their career until they got to high school. And then they get to high school and, and they go in college and say, oh, well, I was going to do this, but now I changed my major and I'll do that. And it's only the children who know exactly what they're going to do, go right into college, take all the classes that they're supposed to take and come out. So if we start generating that thought at Nursery one and nursery two, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And start talking about, well, this is what pilots do. This is what nurses do. We start to frame that structure as, uh, at a much earlier age. And by the time they reach high school, they are they know ex- you have been put on a track of focus exactly what you want to do. And it makes, it makes your college years, your parents aren't paying for you to change your major every time you turn around. What a novel thought. Yes. And it works. This this is fabulous. Uh, you've grown to 100 students. Yes. Do you find that these kids, when they uh, you actually have them dress up yes. in, in, as physicians, yes. as, as surgeons, yes. as nurses, things of that nature? I think I saw a flight attendant. Yes. Uh, Everything. Guy, Judges, lawyers, pilot. pilots, that, soldiers, dentists, archaeologists, uh, astronauts. We We put these things into them so that they are aware of the, the type of careers that are out there. Chemists, we want everything because these are like sponges. We want, you know, I open up their minds because in Africa, everybody thinks, oh, lawyer, judge. But I tell them there are so many other jobs. So we talk about it a lot. And I bring in people in the fields that when my friends come and visit, if they are in or have retired from those particular professions, I have them come in and speak to the children. And, you know, let them ask questions and, and, and to talk to somebody who's boots on the ground. And you'd be so surprised that somebody who's three years old is telling you she's going to be a judge. I or mean, a, and adamant. Or a future president or, yes. a, you know, whatever. They, the sky's uh, the limit. That, that's a great concept to get them involved early and get them excited about an occupation. Yes, being a productive citizen. What do you see, Yvette? This is fascinating. What do you see in terms of how these types of concepts could be applied here in the United States? 
Uh, you touched on a little bit with about college students changing their majors. Right. Like two, three, four well, times. I realized that because I I realized that for myself, if maybe someone had have started with me in elementary school and started making, you know, just get the wheels turning. Well, what do you want to be? Well, what do you want to do? Well, and and make me think about those things, then I would have been better guided as the years went on. And I may have very well knew exactly what I wanted to do because when you find out what you want to do, then we research it. We find out like, okay, well, how much does it pay? <laughs> what days do you have to work? How many hours do you have to put in? How much school does it take to get it? And so you have a great foundation and you would learn what you love and what you don't love a lot longer, a lot sooner before you get to high school. I see your sister Stephanie nodding uh, in approval. Yes, and you know, obviously, uh, she's a big part of your life too. Everybody has a mentor. Who would be yours, or who hmm. was yours in 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 this genre in the education, higher education, wanting to do something like this? Well, I said I wanted to be Solomon, Margaret Thatcher, and Gandhi wrapped up in one. <laughs> so Solomon, Margaret Thatcher, and Gandhi. That's a great combination. <laughs> yes. I mean, you've got a little bit of everything. <laughs> everything. Folks, we're talking to Yvette Collins, a former Cordova basketball star, and we'll get into all that. But, but first, we're talking about what she's been doing lately and from basketball to mentoring young people and beyond that this is already a, a fascinating conversation the lives that you're influencing, do you involve the parents and do you get feedback from parents? Are a lot of these kids from broken homes? What What's kind of the landscape? Yes, I, I have researched that without parent involvement, the child's chances of succeeding are, are really not there. And um, it's difficult because you have so many parents who are not educated, who don't know how to read. So you have this child that's coming home and there's speaking, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about all these big words like, you know, and the parent has absolutely no idea uh, what the child, how to even communicate with the child because they're using words that they don't understand. But I make every parent attend PTA. That is part of the requirement of being part of the school. You must be involved. You must come to parent-teacher conference, and you must come to PTA meetings. And if you do not come to a PTA meeting, then I fine you. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, and yeah. I make the fine stiff because that way they won't miss the meeting. Because well, the meeting's want, not you, for me. You don't want Yvette Collins knocking on your front door. Uh, it, uh, uh, have you had to make house calls? Or is that something? No, uh, because um, I my name has become a household name because when the child, child is misbehaving, the parents say, all I just say is, I'm going to tell Mrs. Quam. And they say, okay, I'll stop. So I require that you come to school on time. If you come through the gate late, you're in trouble. You have to tell me why you're late because some children, it's not their fault they're late. It's their parents' fault that they're late. Right. Then you, there's nobody comes to school without their homework. Every day, every child goes home with 10 spelling words, and you have to write each spelling word 10 times So each. you're a firm believer in homework? Oh, definitely. Uh, I'm a believer in working hard to get where you need to be to accomplish what you want. So, And I need to see it. I need to see that. And if you have not done your homework, then your teacher sends you to me and you and I have a real serious conversation. 
How are you on uh, cell phones? You get a lot of that in class, or are these kids? Oh, are you? These kids don't even have. They, these kids don't barely have anything to eat, so cell phone is not. Even the teacher doesn't have a cell phone, so that's the, that. Actually, electronics that's probably is not a, problem. a blessing in disguise, especially at that age. Well, that's for sure. But I do have um, the computer access. We 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 got some uh, desktops, and uh, you know. It's it's crazy because the rest of the world is doing homework on computers and, you know, and we're still on books and we have to be on books because Internet is not stable. So there's no way you could just assign homework and, and go say and research that. So I need to provide a library. If I ask you to research something, I need to provide you with a library book or some way for you to go and research because you cannot have school without research. So they actually have to pick up a real book. Yes, someone do donated work. to me a 20-foot railroad cart of library books from the Oakland Library that they threw in the garbage. And he sent them to me totally free. And I have a huge library in my school, even bigger than the college library in Africa, in Ghana. Wow. Yes. This will be interesting to see your students once they graduate. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Where they're going to go. And I would imagine you talk about college. Definitely. I said finish ninth grade and challenge the high school exam in Ghana and go straight into a college. Because at ninth grade, if you're in my school, by the time you finish ninth grade, you could definitely pass the high school testing. Now, with Ghana. a lot of your students identifying with a certain occupation so early on, uh, in the United States, we'd call that uh, uh, the old regional occupation program or getting into a trade, something of that, that nature. Right. Would you advocate them? For example, if one of them wanted to become a surgeon, they'd have to go to X number of years medical school. Mm -hmm. Is there that type of resource in Africa or would no. they have to go to a different country? For they'd that? have to go to – my plan is to – you see, uh, unfortunately – the country, I, I've never seen a country that would say educate and migrate. I mean, that makes absolutely no sense. Why would you educate your citizens and then send them to other countries for them to find, to, to invent and finance and add to the other country's GDP? So what happens is those children who have the ability to rise to the top, the European, American, outside countries come in and take all the smartest. And then take them and offer them good jobs, good, good, good careers, and they leave. So those that are left don't get that opportunity. So what I'm trying to put into these children is, is that don't lose the love of your country. Because if you don't save your country, then the country won't ever change. Somebody has to love the country. Right. So right. if... I don't have any problem with you educating and going out to get an education, but there's nothing wrong with returning back and apply and, you know, pass it on. Come and help somebody else because that's the only way that you're going to save your country, your nation. And that's any country. You can't educate your people and send them somewhere else. Who would put up a sign that says educate, migrate? Uh, well, unfortunately, we have a lot of that going on. <laughs> yes, I'm, I was like, this is crazy. So, I, I, I'm, I'm not against educating uh, anywhere. If you got to go to the moon and get an education, go. But that doesn't mean you have to stay. Come back, and and also offer your help to help someone else. We, I, I am 
my motto is come to learn, leave to serve. And that's what that's I That's a teach Collins them. original. Yes, come to learn, leave to serve. So they come and they. I want to see them get good education. So if that means that I have to educate you so that you are so powerful that you have the ability to go to a developed country and compete. That is why uh, my school's foundation is based on three, three foundations. One is medicine. The other one is IT. And the other one is law. So if you have a strong foundation in medicine, IT, and law, you can pretty much navigate any career you want. Uh, those are very uh, commodities that are premium. Yep. Uh, absolutely. 20 years from now, those are the jobs that are going to be in demand. And you can do medicine, IT, and law anywhere in the world. When we talked earlier, you talked in, in great terms about your school. Is there a mechanism in place to follow these kids? Like, for example, the ones that you got in third and fourth and fifth grade now, they're going to be applying for different schools once they take the ninth grade test and bypass the rest of high school mm -hmm. and go into universities. Have you thought? Um, yes, that is why I've come. Part of my time here is figuring out how I can bridge something uh, someone will adopt our school so that our children can do a foreign exchange and or their children can come to me. We can do an, a teacher and the three children will go to come to America and a teacher and three children from America will go to, come to Ghana because it's not just about you getting to America, but it's also about America opening up as the children here recognizing how lucky they are to live in this country and to respect what they are getting for free and throwing away and not and, and could care less when somebody else is wishing and praying that they had that opportunity. So it's not just about, oh, I'm going to help you get a better life. It's also about taking someone who has a better life and teaching them to respect it. Have you thought about maybe an exchange program with yes. the Rancho Cordova? Yes. I mean, the, the opportunities are endless. I just need to someone that, you know, everybody has to put out their helping hand. And that that's what I'm doing. I'm I, I'm doing my part. And if someone else does their part, then we can make a change because without people, everybody willing to help, then nobody succeeds. Her name is Yvette Collins. She's in the studio with us today. And we hope that the uh, some administrators at the Folsom Cordova Unified School District are listening. I'm sure that that they will. Uh, a fascinating program that you have going on uh it, it it's kind of a, a a well a welcome to hear some of the things that you're doing you met your husband in africa i did kind of take us through that um well i went um for a two-week tour with the college uh, st petersburg college offered me a some time in uh i went to puerto rico with the college and then they offered me to go to ghana uh, for 12 to 14 days. Yeah, you, you went to the University of St. Petersburg? Yes. Florida, mm -hmm. right? Gotcha. And um, so then I just said, okay, and they offered me my ticket, and I said, okay, I'll go. And I got there, and I met my husband, and I didn't realize he was going to be my husband at the time, but uh, we stayed in contact. I got back home conversated with him for probably about seven months, didn't realize that he was the man I was looking for, and I went back. 
Mm-hmm. You strike me as someone who's, I'll just say, deliberately prayerful. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you, know, you, you don't do anything uh, just half baked. No. Uh, faith obviously, obviously plays a big part of your life. Yes. You've been to so well, many. Well, I can't places. deny it. Well, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you think that you're doing it. You know, you think it's you, but when you you I, see, I believe in the law of physics. So, positive output brings positive in, and that. I've seen that work, so I know that it works. So I'm very careful about what I put out to the universe, what I say, because I know and what I do, and I I do the right thing. My mom always told me, if you have two choices, do the right thing. And by doing the right thing, the right thing has always come back to me. And so I, I, I tested it. <laughs> so I can't deny it. Someone said, oh, well, what made you, you know, be... Uh, so religious, and I said, I didn't choose it, it chose me. You can't run from it. Well, you obviously had you know, strong parents, at least sure. your mom. Yes, uh, definitely. You two, we'll kind of switch gears a little bit, we'll dovetail into, you grew up, for the most part, in Rancho Cordova? Uh, yes, I was born and raised in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Okay. I My mother moved us to California because there were six of us, and she said she couldn't afford to pay for us to go to college, so she would move to a state where college was free. And at the time, college was free. So we moved to, she did her research, and we moved to Rancho Cordova. And well, yeah, at the time, uh, junior college was yes, was yes. free. She said you could that way. Everybody has an even playing field because right. you can afford to go to junior college, and by that time, you can afford to get a job and pay for yourself to go to university. So that was her mindset, and so. Uh, at that time, I didn't understand it, but uh, now I, I appreciate it. I know you have at least one sister, one sibling. Uh, I'm the baby of other? six. You're the, you're the youngest of six. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Are you also the tallest? I'm the tallest of six. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. I yes. just had to ask them. They saved the best for last. Uh, we'll pick up your athletic career in ninth grade. You played uh, at Mitchell Junior High School yes. uh, for Doug Hilton. Yes. As your, oh, as your head boy, coach. Oh, I remember him. Uh, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, and uh, I I believe uh, he'll he'll be at the ceremony awesome. as well. But uh, I remember you as a towering, skinny ninth grader who just you were quick with the ball, you yeah. inside the paint, even as a ninth grader. Yes, uh, Mitchell went undefeated. Is basketball something that you wanted to do early on from an athletic standpoint? I have been playing basketball since kindergarten, and. Every grade, I played basketball all the way my entire life. But I played basketball because they begged me to play basketball. I didn't play basketball because I was hunting basketball. I didn't have a basketball Jones. I just played because I was good at it. And nobody, they wouldn't not let me play. So I played. And that was the real reason. I just, be, be, I just played just so that uh, they would leave me alone. <laughs> Well, uh, on the basketball court, it was, it was pretty uh, pretty tough not to do. Uh, in that ninth grade year, I, and I had talked to Doug Hilton a while back about about this that uh, he was or you were one of the best players he ever coached uh, for a couple of different reasons, sure. and one of which I experienced out here. You have a presence about you, a uh-huh. leadership quality, and we talked about some of the doors that someone whose presence like yours can open. Right, that had to have been evident early on. Sure. Uh, I think Rodney had mentioned you were 5'2". In kindergarten. In kindergarten. <laughs> yes. So who was the tallest person in your family 
before you. Where did you get this? Uh, my father's tall, but my brother's probably about 6'2". Really? Yeah. I don't know. Just I, I used to have to carry ID to prove I was under 12. I would get somewhere and they say 12 and under free. And then when I get there, they say, oh, no, you can't get in. And I'd say, but I'm under 12. And then I'd have to yeah, call my right. mom and say, they won't let me in. So my mom said, I'm so tired of this. Let me just go get you ID that proves you're under 12. So I used to have to carry ID that showed I was under 12. It was, it, I, I was, it angered me because my, all my friends would be going and, you know, you catch the bus and then now everybody's getting in and you're the only one standing there because they don't believe that you're not more older than 12. And I, they, but then when I, then when it was, when it was time to be 21, that worked out perfect for me. Then I loved it. Oh, one other thing before we start talking sports is you had mentioned you, you've modeled. You also have yes. a shoe. Uh, you've developed a shoe. Yes. That's, the straps are interchangeable. Yes. It's amazing the stuff that we learn on the fly here. Yes. With the sports <laughs> broadcast. Yvette, I patented it. As, as she patented this shoe. I wish we could show you. But tell us the motivation behind that. Did you just Money. see something? or Money. <laughs> okay. That's good motivation. I, I saw that there was a business plan competition and the per the prize was 5000 and I thought oh I could get this money easy because these 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 students are not going to really apply themselves so I just dreamed up the idea I just thought about it and it just came to me and I said okay I'll I'll try it and so I went to uh, a shoe repair place a guy that used to do my heels in Florida and I asked him to uh cut me out a leather sole and show me how to what how I could put it together and design it and he did and uh then I just it just kind of went from there and two weeks later I submitted my paper and I went to the the competition and I won. Now was that here in the States? That was Florida. Okay. And I won St. Pete's College. I wow. won. They gave me my big publisher housing clearance check, and I was walking around the campus. Really? Yeah. You've got one of those PCH checks? <laughs> yeah, one of those real big checks. And uh, then I thought, okay, well, I've, it's going to take me some time to manufacture this shoe, so let me take the money and patent it. So I got a U.S. patent on the shoe, and then I just sit on it, and when I decide to use it, it's mine, and if somebody uses it unbeknownst to me, then they have to pay me. Who knew, folks? Uh, entrepreneur, yeah. shoe designer, teacher, mentor, basketball player. And uh, at, at you, after Mitchell, you went to Cordova High School, obviously. Yes. Start on the basketball court uh, for three seasons. Yep. And, of course, your senior year was the 84, 83, 84 team that ended up winning the section. The year before, and we'll get into some basketball now. I know a lot of folks want to hear about that. Uh you guys fell short uh, your junior year. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Grant is good in everything sure. that they do. And in many ways, Grant is like Rancho Cordova in terms of athletics. They're separate communities, very proud community over there, Very a lot of traditions. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, there's a similar mindset. But that 84 team that you were on, and by the way, folks, last year that 84 girls basketball team was inducted into the yeah. Hall of Fame. And so we had this champions exhibit at the MAC, the yeah. Mills Station Arts and Cultural Center, that uh, uh, is 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 run uh, quite nicely by Cheryl over there. She's the curator. We had 185 people come to the reception, and all of your teammates were there, even though you weren't. You were. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. Everybody was talking about 
Yvette Collins and that team. Right. And I've got some pictures of that. If you haven't already seen uh, seen the exhibit, I, I can share okay, them with you. Great. But the overarching uh, message of that was the, the love and affection that your teammates had for you. And so it was only fitting that this year your uh, your name came up for uh, for uh, induction into the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame. I wanted to share that with you because that's wonderful. Your career, uh, there wasn't a team that didn't fear you on the court. Right. But that '84 team, you and Mickey Weekly and some of the others, Janine Johnson, uh, yes. yeah, were just fabulous. Uh, what do you c- recall about the game against Grant? The game, um, the game where you beat them. We were really wanted to. We really wanted to beat them because the the year before, um, one year we went there and we played, and um, because we were were beating them so bad, um, after the game a fight broke out, and our entire team had to fight the Grant team members, family members. Really? We had to, yes. I mean, fight. Punching and fighting. And this is like after the game this yes, happened? Yes, this or? was after after they lost, after the game. They, there were people in the, um, the team, Grant's team players, family members, wanted to fight. So we ended up fighting. We ended up having to actually be escorted onto the bus. And it was it was like, so we had a bit of, you know, we were like looking for them to come again, but this time we knew when they came, they would be on, on our ground. Right. And so, uh, it was. It was. You know, we we. I was shocked because I couldn't believe that somebody would take something. You know, uh, an adult would take something so serious. This is just like a girls' basketball team. Like, and you got a grown man, maybe in age, but not in mindset, wanting to fight. Well, yeah, unfortunately, those types of things do happen. Yes. But uh, you had such a tremendous team, of course, coached by the late John McCants. Yes. Uh, who everybody had great affection for. How oh, was yes. it playing for John, for you? Oh, he and I, we, we had a really good relationship. I mean, he was a bit of a wise guy, but, you know, I can be a wise person, too. So we, we, we he and I really had a, a, a really good relationship because one time we drove down for some some awards banquet, I think it was in Chico, and it was just he and I. And so I really got really close to McCann's. We got to know each other pretty well. But uh, he always gave me a hard time because he thought I was a bit of a slacker, which now that I look at it, I probably was. But I, I'm the type of person that I know that I I have the ability, and if if I want to use it, I use it. If I don't want to use it, I don't use it. So he, he chastised me because my grades were not – what they were supposed to be. And I told him, well, I could get good grades if I want to. And he's like, okay, well, then show me. And I said, watch, next next semester, I'm going to prove to you I'm going to get all A's. And he was like, okay. And the next semester came, and he was reading out uh, our report cards, and he goes, Collins? Ah. And I said, what does it say? He says, it says all A's. I said, what did I tell you? I told you I could get all A's if I wanted to, but you know when you're young, you you you're you. I'm the type of person. If I want to do something, I could do it. So, you're. Would you describe yourself as a straight A student normally? 
If I want to. If you wanted to. Yeah. So just to prove to Yes, just to show him I told him I could do any I, I could do it if I, I just did it to show him that I could do it if I really wanted to. Because he said I oh he didn't believe it. So I said, Okay, then I'll show you. Well, and he's he like, Well, he how come you didn't do it all the time? And I said, Because I don't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if John were here, he would probably say, It's a good thing that I motivated you. Yes. I mean you as a as a uh, a high school student of course you don't see you don't see your teachers or maybe even your parents as like you know more than them we all know we we know more than oh, our sure. parents so you don't really you're not even aware of it but the the person is um guiding you and you don't even know it and you look back now as time has gone by and you realize that the person was definitely you know uh a strong motivating figure in your life. And at the time you don't even see it. You don't you have no appreciation for it whatsoever until you you get in those shoes later on and then you you know hindsight's 2020. No kidding. Yeah. You've mentioned before you're the youngest of six? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Uh how influential were your parents growing up? Oh, my mom was the type of person that uh her yes was yes and her no was no. And she uh, expected, she looked forward to us doing well. She was behind whatever we did. She was behind, you know, but she never forced me to do anything. She said, if that's not what you want to do, then I'm not going to force you. But she, what I appreciate about her is that she allowed me to make my own, she allowed me to make choices. She didn't make my choices for me. We talk about it. And then she let me be the final say in whatever it is that I chose to do. And um, I think when you, yes, we, we have to guide our children, but I think that you also have to listen to them and allow them to make some mistakes or allow them to make some decisions. Otherwise, they can just decide to run off, shut you down, and do whatever they want to do and not let you know, be a part of their lives. Now, obviously, your, your sister's glad to have you back. Are all your siblings here in town? Are they all They're over? They're all over the place, all, all over the place. We, you know, well, me being Africa, no matter where they are, we'd be far away from each other. So, but yes, they're, they, we, we live in, uh, different states. We move all around. I don't know why we, we just, well, I know I like to travel, so I don't have a problem with going anywhere, anywhere. I don't care where it is. I've been all over. Folks, we're talking to Yvette Collins, basketball star. And, uh, uh, I have it that you played for Sac City for a year. Yes. And uh, it helped the Panthers to a 28 and 5 season. And I didn't plan to play basketball then. And so. Janice High, the coach, heard that I was on campus. I went to school to, so to be with some, to someone, for someone else to register. I hadn't planned on going to school. And uh, they said, Janice High is looking for you. And I said, for what? And they said, they, she, they, uh, she wants you to be on the basketball team. And I was like, no, I'm not playing basketball. And then she came and she said, Oh, please, 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 please play basketball. And I said, and she kept saying, why, why? And I said, because I, I don't want to have to catch the bus home every day after basketball. I walk home. I, don't, I just don't want to do that. And she said, if you play basketball for me, I will give you a ride home every day. And I was like, okay, I'll play if you give me a ride home every day. And she stuck to her word. Is that every right? day, every game. She drove me from Sacramento City College to Rancho Cordova 
after every practice and after every game. No questions asked. She kept up she her kept end her of the work. bargain. And I said, okay, if you give me a ride, I'll play, but I don't want to have to be catching the bus and doing all that. No. Here's how good Sac City was that year. You won 16 straight games. They ended up 28 and 5. Yeah. You averaged in double figures, points, and rebounds. Yeah, we had a lot of um, uh, some of the girls from Grant, all the schools that that the the girls didn't go off to college far away, they were all local. So they all ended up at Sacramento City College. So instead of playing against each other, we ended up playing with each other. I played with Jackie Rogers. I played with Tanya Smith. They were all from Grant. And so we ended up actually being a really good team because we, instead of instead of being separate, we were one. And it just worked out. That is fabulous. Now, after your freshman season, uh, you met a fork in the road. You went a different direction. Yes. Uh, you're an apprentice plumber first, or was it the firefighter? Oh, Which... I was a firefighter first. How about this? She goes from the basketball court to a frontline firefighter yes. uh, with CDF. the California Department, Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. What was your motivator there? To be honest, I went to a job agency to take a friend out to lunch. He was... Uh, a counselor helping people find employment. Someone saw me walk into his office. She came into his office and asked me, was I interested here for a job? And I said, no, I'm just here to take my friend to lunch. And then she said, oh, because you look like the type of person that could do this job. And I was like, what kind of job is it? And she said, oh, it's working for the Department of Justice. And I said, oh, okay. So what is it? And she didn't. She never really told me what the job was. She just said working for the Department of Justice, and I thought, well, that's pretty good, good job. How much does it pay? She said between twenty five hundred and three thousand. I was like, oh, that's not bad. So she said, yeah, if you want to go, here's the flyer, and you know, I know you can do the job. And I, it never registered that it was firefighter until I got to the meeting, the day of the um, the job fair that they had. And when I got there, I sat down, and when they handed me a paper, it said Firefighter 1. And I was like, Firefighter 1? That's the job that they want? And I was, and then at first I was like, I don't want to be a firefighter. And then I thought about like, ah, but every time you walk by the fire station, those guys don't never look like they're doing anything but washing the truck and having a nice time. So I said, okay, well, let me try it. And so I went to fire camp and... Uh, Oh, my gosh. Fire camp was easy because I had spent uh, a lot of time at UC Davis Medical Center working in different departments. I worked for UC Davis uh, Medical Center's temporary agency so that I could work in every department to see where I wanted to work permanently. So I worked in pediatrics, ophthalmology, neurology, cancer center, uh, emergency, every ophthalmology. Uh, and um, so I... I'd passed the first two weeks of that was nothing but medicine, medical this, you know, learning first responder. And all. so that was, and then the last two days, they saved a little bit of firefighting for us. And they took us out on this hot day in all of our gear, brand new boots and a 45 degree mountain and say, we're going to cut line this grass down to the dirt up to the mountain. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, here, so pick a tool. And he gives me an axe. I've never swung an axe before. And I was like, 
And so what am I going to do with this? And he said, chop the tree down. And I was like, chop the tree down? Like, yep. Yeah. So I, I, I swung it a couple times. And if you don't know how to hold the axe, within the first two or three swings, you're going to get a blisters right in the corner of, of where you're right between your thumb and your index finger. And I was like, oh, no, I'm out of here. And they're like, oh, why are you going to go sit in the bus? And I was like, yep, that's exactly where I'm going. Go sit on the bus. This is not the job for me. So I went and sat on the bus. And my supervisor came on the bus and he said, oh, why? And I said, I'm not cutting down no tree with an axe. And then he was like, I said, in this heat, in these boots, no, 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 thank you. I'm good. So he told me, you know what? You've made it through the entire program. This is like the day, the last day, we have to give you a little bit of, you know, if you could just make it through today, you'll be satisfied. And I was like, I don't think so. And then he just said, oh, come on, don't give up. Don't give up. Just, 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 just stick it out and you'll see you'll be satisfied. So I said, all right, I got off the bus and I went back and he showed me how to swing the ax. And so we cut line for that day, and I just kept saying, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't. So finally I made it through, and the next day was you get your certificate and your assignment to what station. So all of it was a distance for me because I lived in Vallejo. So, you know, this is up here by Yosemite, so all of it's long distance for me, so I don't care where the fire department, the, where I'm going to be stationed because it's all going to be a long drive for me anyway. So you ended up being stationed in Twain Heart? Uh, yes, I got to Twain Heart, and uh, well, when they called my name and they said, you'll be stationed at Twain Heart, all the guys were like, oh, man, she got Club Med. And I was like, Club Med? And they're like, yeah, you so lucky. You you got Club Med. I was like, what What do you mean by Club Med? And they said, your fire station has swimming pool, tennis courts, golf course. And I was like, ah, okay. I think I know why they put me over there. Stephanie is showing me a picture of you in your firefighter garb. Yes. Uh, in front of, I believe, one of the fire trucks. Yep, so how trucks. long were you a firefighter? Three years. Three years. Yes. So you saw action on oh, front plenty. fire lines? Oh, Highway 1 always catches on fire every year. Um, I was on that fire for 11 days. 11 days, and, you know, you, you, you sleep at the college. They set up a camp. Firefighting is a, as a definitely a forestry firefighting is hard work. You're not made out of something. You won't make it. What was the most devastating fire you fought? Was it that one? Or? That one. It was 11 days on a fire. It's a long time to be on a fire because you're sleeping on the ground. You know, the inmates fly in and they give chow hall. So it's, it's, it's intense. It's intense and it's dangerous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to go to bed at 4 o'clock in the station. They'd be like, what are you doing? You're in bed already. I said, yes, because I would rather, I don't want to be caught on a fire tired. So I close all the curtains and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be up watching TV, playing around. I said, no, nah, me, I'm at work. I'm going to bed, and I want to be rested. I don't want to have to wake up. You know, the alarm go off, and I'm tired because I was watching TV. So I made sure that, you know, I was alert because don't take long for a fire to kill you. No, especially in California. Exactly. You know, we've had our share of fires out here. I'm sure you yes. have heard. Yes. Uh, but after that, you became an apprentice plumber. Yes, after that, uh, I ended up, someone offered me a, 
uh, an apprenticeship for five years to become a local for local four six seven as a plumber. So free education. So I took it. Learned welding, A and B. Learned all plumbing. Did it for five years, two nights a week. Worked as a as an apprentice for five years, and as uh, soon as I made my retirement, I quit. <laughs> Well, a lot of those skills are probably applicable to what you're doing now, the, the maintenance around the school. I don't know if they call you in or some of the things that that you had learned with plumbing Oh, in yes, the past. of course, because plumbing in Africa is like Legos. It's all plastic There's because the, the – uh, All PVC. The, yeah, all the weather. Yeah. You know, the weather isn't conducive to metal, and metal is expensive, so all of it's plastic. But my husband doesn't want me to do that kind of work, so I just direct. Well, yes. you know. It, <laughs> You know, it, it's not often, folks, we, we have a basketball star and also an apprentice, well, a journeyman, journeyman plumber, yes. plumber. And uh, also she has fought on the front lines of fires in California. What is your biggest reward at where Yvette, Yvette Collins is now? Um, I think, I think it's the school to... To have the ability to know that you have a chance to really change somebody's entire life, I don't think, in a positive way, I can't think of anything more rewarding. Because when you have children who are so grateful and thankful that, you know, you made sure they have something to eat and you made sure that, you know, they thank me for the discipline. They they thank me for saying thank you for caring about us. Thank you for loving us. We know that you want our best. And, you know, children know when you love them. And so to see that light, that light that goes off when they finally, when they finally get it and confidence comes, I can see the light go off. And that is the reward. That is why I could do it for free of charge because the the reward is greater than the money that could ever come to me. Before we started the the broadcast today, you showed me a video of some yes. of your kids. They were singing. Yes. It was uh, a lot of them were dressed up in their career the, their career opportunities. The song that they were singing, you explained it to me. But I I forgot. Yes, What's it's the story uh, uh, it's uh, the school's anthem, and uh, one of my teachers who wants to be a musician sat down and wrote it and. Uh, we our motto is to study to show thyself approved and so we stand by that and uh, my goal was to create a school with a creative school that would give a great education curriculum at the lowest cost possible because we find that in these countries only the rich can go to school only the wealthy can afford to go to school and only the real wealthy get a good education. And I wanted the playing ground to be level so that everyone who wanted an opportunity, whether they could afford it or not, could have the opportunity. And so I would have opened the school for free, but I didn't know how I have to pay my teachers a salary. But I also know that there are Many people in lives, if you, we as human beings, if you give us something free, sometimes we don't respect it. We don't appreciate it. So 
Um, I opened the school as to the uh, the lowest cost possible that I could open so that the, the, the poorest person could afford to come. And to be able to see a parent be so appreciative, I get text messages all the time from the parents and say, thank you for loving our kids. Thank you for wanting the best for our kids. Thank you for, you know, what you're doing. And when some kids come to school, they haven't eaten. You know, they, they, they don't have shoes. They don't have clothes. We buy, we buy clothes and things and put them down like the lost and found that we use here in America, mm -hmm. that when you lose something, you don't even go look for it because your parents paid for it. We have something like that where if you come to school and you don't have it, we will provide it for you or give it to you. You hit on something really poignant earlier when you mentioned that uh, if things are given free, you, you're less appreciative. Yes. These kids obviously have an appreciation. Sure. Nothing is free. Nothing. And and you're teaching them from an early age how to work for it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, basically to have skin in the game. Yes. You know, so they care. Right. Uh, which, you know, frankly, uh, a lot of the schools in, in, the, in the U.S. could learn by. Yes. <clears throat> I, I think that uh, the more we drop the borders for, for, for nations to, for that, just for the sake of our children, that they should be able to intermix because tr there is nothing more educational than travel. And even up to my age now, I've gone to a country and I learned something. I learned that... Um, the type of freedom that we have just to be able to travel in our country. If you have the money, you can go. But, and no one is going to make you make an appointment and bring all your finances and your, your property deeds. And, you know, you have to prove you have medical insurance just to go somewhere and visit. It's not everyone that wants to come to America and stay. Some people just want to come to America and visit because they love their country. And I, I, I've also learned to not be so much of an American, like, what do you mean you're sleeping on the floor? Wouldn't you like a bed? Here, here's a bed. There are some people who like their conditions. Mm -hmm. And so before I offer to change your conditions, thinking that I'm making your life better, I ask you, is, would you like that? Do you want that? Maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you're okay with the where you're at. I don't come in and force my ideas and what I think is a better living on you. I ask you, do you like that? Do you want that? And if you choose to take it, fine. And if you don't choose to take it, I'm okay with it. If you don't want to eat with a spoon and you want to eat with your fingers or chopsticks, fine. I'm okay with that. I am not trying to change you to be me or make you say that, well, if you you learn how to eat with a fork, you'll be you know, more Americanized. I respect your culture. And if that's what you choose to do, fine. All I'm saying is, is that if you educate yourself, you will, certain things will automatically change because you'll be in a different uh, arena. So I've also learned that we always think that we're doing better, good for somebody. Maybe the person isn't interested in uh, sleeping in a bed. I don't know why, but, you know, that's everybody's choice. Well, it, it is. Uh, absolutely. In our remaining few minutes, it's hard to believe uh, our hour is almost wow. up. Wow, doesn't take long. Uh, with Yvette Collins, former Rancho Cordova, Cordova High School sports star. Do you think about basketball? Do you follow the game uh, even in I, I loved basketball. I mean, I loved watching 
the men play professional basketball. Because to me, I mean, my I got diehards, Dr. J. You know, I was telling Rodney that, you know, I followed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, I love basketball. I love watching basketball. You know, um, so, and I love sports. I didn't play just basketball. I played field hockey. I played high, but, you know, I, basketball just, we would always run into the championship. So I never got to be really dedicate any of my time to track and field. Although I broke the record in high jump at Mitchell, I scissored five feet one. And I Is didn't even right? know how to, I, I didn't know how to do the Fosbury flop or whatever they call it. I would just hurdle the bar. So I had a lot of jumping ability. I did high, I did a long jump, shot put, disc. I did it all. But then basketball would always run over into the track and field season. So because of, we would go to championships, so I I stopped playing everything else just to do basketball. Right. So right. I I I. It's not that I don't enjoy it. I just knew that I did. I didn't love it enough to make it a career, like eat, sleep, and drink basketball. Right. Folks, Yvette Collins, uh, she grew up in the era of Showtime, you know, Kareem, Magic, and Worthy. Yeah. With a little Michael Jordan and Dr. J yes. mixed in, of course, you know, s- stars of the 80s yes. and 90s uh, in, in their own right. The Iceman. Oh, I love basketball. Uh, George Gervin was one of the best. In yes. fact, I was just sharing with a, f- a friend of mine the other name. The, well, it was it's Rodney. Yeah. I actually saw uh, the Iceman play. Oh, he's great. Not, not in the NBA, but in the CBA. Oh, he played okay. in my hometown wow. in uh, uh, Moline, Illinois, back uh. in 89. He played the first half. They pulled him out. I think he scored 17, 20 points. Right. After the game, George Gervin, I don't know, might have been 38, 39 at the time, signed autographs for everybody that wanted one. Wow. He was there for 45 minutes oh, after the game. Oh, my goodness. I, I think he might have played one or two games after that, mm-hmm. but they brought him in. Uh, I, I didn't know the, the circumstances, but... He was a presence. Yeah. 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 So uh, a little aside, in our final moments, a couple of questions Mm -hmm. I ask a lot of my guests. Uh, One is, what's your biggest pet peeve? Laziness. Good answer. (laughs) Laziness. I don't like laziness. And how do you correct it? I think I know the answer to this. Uh, I usually don't have to do too much. My One of my teachers, I said, what's wrong with you? Why don't you, why don't you guys just say, if something's wrong, why don't you say it? And he told me, uh, Mrs. Kwai, I just want to let you know that you're pretty intimidating. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, well, I know that. <laughs> that that goes without saying. So I don't really have to do too much uh, because when I get angry, I get a lot of people's attention. So I, 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 I don't have to, I just let them know that we don't tolerate mediocrity here with stature comes respect uh folks she she was six two when she was when she was playing she's all that and more and when you were you were in high heels i think my gosh i I told right i think she's grown (laughs) well she's wearing high heels yes so i said why why you're so tall why would you wear high heels i said look you wear high heels to be taller i wear high heels because i like them who told you that wearing high heels is for short people exactly well, if you hang around Rodney enough, you know. <laughs> but uh, Yvette, it has been fabulous having you here. And congratulations again on your induction thank into you. the class of 2023. Yes, Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame. And for those of you listening, our Hall of Fame is a little bit different than a lot of different city halls of fame. Mm-hmm. It's not just athletics. 
what you've done in high school, get your foot in the door for consideration. But a lot of it is weighted what you've done after. Right. Either after high school, after college, sure. uh, we we have generals. Uh, Lee McFan uh, recently passed away. Unfortunately, he was a a general. Uh, he got in. Uh, we've had others. We've had surgeons get in. So we base it on a number of factors. And of course, your career athletics got yes. your foot in the door. Yes, but you had many careers and obviously a heart for young people. Yes. Um, what's next for Yvette? That'll be the last question. <sighs> Uh, to see my children, to see my children make it, to see them, to see them come back and tell me, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have made it. And, uh, just to see them make it, that's okay. It's by me because that reward is more, better than money. You know, all money is not good money. That's so right. for to me, just that satisfaction of saying, wow, I really look. I really was able to help somebody. You know, I, I told you, I told my teacher, I don't just want to help somebody. I want to help a nation. I want, I want to do like, I want to be, do something big, not because I need the notoriety, but just because that's who's in me. That's who I am. Wow. So she wants to help to a nation. We're going to leave it there, Yvette. Okay. Thank you very much. It's Thank been great. And have a safe trip back. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Folks, that's a wrap for this month's issue or broadcast of the Rancho Cordova Sports Podcast. Yvette Collins, Hall of Famer in every sense of the word. Thanks again. Mm-hmm.